I'm Robert England, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger, and you're listening to your sirens of screams. So give these mermaids a chance, or I will. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the 71st episode of The Sirens of Scream. It is the 71st, right? Yes. I should have checked that before I started. (laughs) (laughs) This is the podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. Uh, Welcome, my horror honeys, Jackie and Sierra. Hello. You can call us your bitches. We're cool with that. Sea bitches. (laughs) We are your basic witches. I know, but I couldn't think of a spooky word to rhyme with it. Um, I just want to share super quick with you guys one little news piece I came across tonight before we get started that I thought you would find interesting, partially because we have been talking about Chernobyl so much on the show. Uh, apparently, Chernobyl's control room is now open to tourists. Oh, Ooh. shit. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. The radiation in the room is still 40,000 times higher than normal levels. Why are people going in there? Right? Because <laughs> tourists... <laughs> that makes me need a season two of Dark Tourist, where the, Ooh, yes. that very cute, sweet guy goes there. Right? Come on. I keep checking for that. I really am. But yeah, it's Chernobyl's Reactor 4, which was the scene of the the disaster and where everything went down at the beginning of the show. We see all the people making bad decisions. <laughs> um, that is now open to the public. Um, but the rule is that you have to have protective gear on and you can you have to limit your visit to five minutes and then afterward you're required to undergo two radiology tests to measure the amount of radiation you're exposed to it still seems like too much (laughs) five minutes (laughs) so and i i didn't uh i just wanted to share that with you guys i don't have any recs but um sierra you just reminded me that on my netflix tonight popped up um haunted season two do you guys remember i told you oh i've been watching that have you? This <laughs> yes. weird show. <laughs> it's a people, the one we talked about, I think, I think it was last year I talked about this as a wreck where people like basically sit around in a circle in a dark room <laughs> and talk about being haunted while other people just stare at them silently. <laughs> it's really weird. It's fantastic. And I figured out why it's weird. I actually wanted to bring this up. I'm so glad you mentioned it because I totally forgot. <laughs> I figured out what's so fucking weird about it. It has no it has no intro. Like you're just totally brought into this bizarre room of this person talking in a circle of people that they barely introduce. Like it, it can be their loved <laughs> ones or someone they worked with or someone they Who don't knows? even know. And a it's, mailman. <laughs> yes. Or someone they don't introduce at all during the episode. <laughs> and they're just talking about their haunting. I figured out what makes it so weird is like it's kind of like an intervention. Like you're set, you're sitting in. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. On a ghost intervention, and it's a, <laughs> and it's a lot of times the people that the the haunted person is talking to is a, a it's people that were in that person's life when they were being haunted, and that person didn't intervene 
in the haunting. So it's like, here's what you did wrong about my haunting. (laughs) (laughs) It's like so uncomfortable and I love it. It's so weird. Besides the fact that some of the stories are really fucked up, like there was that one with the person that basically talked about their dad being like a mass murderer. Yeah. And told the story with like completely kind of, you know, like flat tone of voice and just like just going on with the story until you realize like, wait a minute, this person's talking about their dad killing people and hiding them in the yard. (laughs) It's insane. Why is nobody in the room screaming and running away right now? (laughs) And then you find out that he was grooming the grandson to take over his mass murdering. Like, oh oh my God, the whole thing. It's such a weird show. Yeah, it's good, though. (laughs) You guys should watch it. Anyway, tonight we're going to catch up with one of our favorite guests of episodes past and sister in spooky things. Shauna Gore is currently senior editor of Oni Press. Congratulations. Congratulations, Shauna. Hey, thanks. She recently sat on a horror-themed panel at New York Comic-Con that she's going to tell us about. So, Shauna, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I like being here with you. We love you, Shauna. Spooky things, bunny things, right? Yep. You're a rock star. Sort of, yeah. I do have, my band is a little horror-y right now, which is cool. Uh, The band I'm playing in right now is called Party Witch. Ooh, nice. That's a great name. Yeah, I've uh, been working at Oni for the last, boy, it's been almost six months now. Um, I, as you, the last time I spoke with y'all, I was um, with Lion Forge, and the mm-hmm. two companies merged earlier this spring, um, which mm-hmm. was a really interesting thing. So now we're uh, one sort of bigger, slightly more powerful company, um, and it's really cool. It's a great, it's a great place to be. I really love, I really love being at Oni. Oni does some great comic books. Um, we we haven't, I think we haven't mentioned that yet, but uh, yeah, we're talking comic books here and Oni does some really great publications and Lion Forge is pretty new, right? Yeah, Lion Forge had only been around for a few years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot of sort of high level business decisions uh, by people much higher up than me, but um, it really was a, it was a neat move. It sort of strengthened what both companies were trying to do. Um, so now, yeah, Oni is expanding a little bit. Um, we're able to sort of do more and try to, try to do more cool things. So, um, yeah, I think there will be some really neat, uh, announcements coming in the, in the not too distant future, just about new original stuff we're doing and that kind of thing. So nothing I can talk about right now, but stuff I'm excited to talk about. Eventually. Ooh, secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get talking about comics, uh, Shauna, you said that you have something fun and spooky to share with us that you've been enjoying. Yeah, I do. Uh, I just I dropped into Powell's. I'm based in Portland, Oregon, so I I get to go to Powell's Amazing Bookstore. Um, Lucky. And yeah, and I was there a few weeks ago, and I picked up uh, a couple of cool books. And this one I'm reading right now, it's perfect for Halloween. Um, it's a first novel by a writer named Sean Hamill. Um, and it's called a cosmology of monsters Ooh! and it's sort of the, what got me about it. The, the pull quote on the cover is from Stephen King. And, uh, what he said about it was if John Irving ever wrote a horror novel, it would be something like this. And I'm, yeah. I'm a huge John Irving fan. Um, and this is a really sweet, I'm only about 50 pages into this thing, but it's about, a family who has this secret that is somehow tied to the presence of monsters in the world. 
And I haven't even cracked what that is yet, but it's really a compelling read. And it's sort of written in this warm, friendly tone for a monster book. Um, So yeah, I really love it so far. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really nice. And I think we haven't actually talked about a lot of, um, we've been doing a lot of little mini episodes this October with tons of recommendations. I don't think we've given a whole lot of book recommendations yet. Not too many. Yeah. And the one, um, and I, I have another, but it's funny, this is one that I would be recommending without checking it out. But one of the panelists on the panel that I did in uh, at New York Comic Con just released a novel called The Remaking. Um, his name is Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, and this book is getting amazing press. And he was on like NPR's morning edition uh, right after, like right after New York Comic Con. So I, I think maybe it was weekend edition, um, but it's getting rave reviews and it just seems really cool. It's sort of Lovecraftian. Um, so that's next on my list to pick up after I finish Cosmolo- uh, Cosmology of Monsters because it just looks really good. And this guy was such a sweetheart. He was a really neat person to have on the panel. What was the book? I think I missed it. The book is, the book is called The Remaking. Okay, cool. And his name is Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, yeah. And I don't know much about it. I've just been reading these reviews and sort of, you know, I heard him talk about it a little bit and it's just really intriguing to me. Um, yeah, people seem to really dig it. So I'm going to pick it up and check it out next. And he's also, he was just a doll. He was just a really warm and friendly person. I thought it was funny, this panel on spooky stuff. Um, and everybody on it was so nice and sweet, (laughs) which is often how it is with horror stuff. Well, and I think that we should say, like, a cosmology of monsters is actually a great connection to your panel because your panel was called Making Friends with the Monster, Horror with Heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was, um, I was invited to join the panel by the moderator is a, a fabulous writer, a woman named um, Ivy Noel Weir. And she wrote a book called um, Archival Quality that is an Oni book weirdly enough, um, that was illustrated by my dear friend Steens, uh, Steen Stewart, who um, was an editor at Lion Forge, and she's freelance now and off just doing amazing things in the world. Um, but she's also a fabulous artist. Um, so the panel was moderated by Ivy, and the panelists were myself, Clay McLeod Chapman, who wrote the novel I just recommended, um, Steens, and um, Vita Ayala. Um, I always stumble when I say her name, but she's an amazing artist and writer. And um, uh, so, yeah, so that was the panel. And we were just a bunch of spooky kids up there talking about horror stuff and what resonates with us. And um, yeah, it was fabulous. The funny thing was it was a nine o'clock panel, 9 p.m., um, and still we got 30 people to show up, 30 something people, which was amazing. I did not anticipate that. That's awesome. Um, and it was, a you know, it, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect just because I had never, um, you know, it was sort of free form. Like, let's just talk about what we like about horror and sort of the emotional resonance of horror. And the conversation was all over the place, but, you know, we all talked about, you know, personal connections to horror, the things that we find um, compelling about it on a personal level. And, you know, one of the interesting things that that came up in the conversation was how sort of all of the panelists had some kind of, you know, 
relationship with personal trauma that led to us each finding a connection somehow to horror stories and the way horror helps can help a person process trauma. You know, it sort of, it sort of lets you pick this external thing to attach your fears and dark emotions to. And then when it's done, you just get to turn it off, you know, or if you're having Ivy, the, the moderator had some really interesting thoughts about, um, you know, she talked about some sort of gorier, extreme horror stuff that she was into more when she was a teenager and how watching these things sort of helped her process these really dark emotions she was having without herself going to that dark place, you know? Um, and I, you know, I have similar takes on things, you know, one, one of the things I, I mentioned, um, I, don't, I can't remember if I talked about it on the panel, but like one of my greatest fears is sharks, great white sharks. And I swear for the longest time I used to, I just would like sublimate almost any kind of stress or fear I was feeling. And I would just have nightmares about sharks. I think it was like a manifestation of like, well, this is a thing I can sort of attach fear to so that I have just a way to process it. And I think a lot of horror, you know, I think a lot of the attraction some people feel for horror is that kind of thing. Like, let's go someplace dark and spooky but it's a place where you can withdraw from when you're done. You know, you don't get trapped in it. It's not your own story. It's somebody else's, usually a, a fictional character story. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing. Uh, you know, everybody on this panel was so sweet and so nice, like kind, genuinely warm people. Um, so for people like that to have an attraction to these sort of dark, scary, spooky, bloody stories seems weird, except that, you know, we're all human beings and those fears and anxieties live inside of all of us. It's almost like a compartmentalizing of fear, right? Like I'm going to put that over there and experience it there. And then I'm just going to like pack it in a box and put it away when the movie's over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've always had an attraction much more so to like supernatural horror. Um, I've, you know, never been really a fan of slasher stuff. There are some exceptions, but, um, but, you know, there are things that feel like too real world to me have never been very appealing. But things that are like, you know, demons and ghosts and werewolves and all that kind of stuff has always been like, yeah, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> that's how I am, too. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like it's a, again, it's like a place you can go and then sort of come back from it and say like, OK, good. There's not actually a werewolf outside who's going to eat me if I leave my house. You know, there are, there are other horrors out there, but I'm just going to deal with this version of it. Yeah, no, I love that you brought that up because like, you know, we I've kind of been confiding in the girls on the show, well, confiding in them on the microphone. So to anybody who listens, I suppose uh, <laughs> that, you know, it's been uh, difficult for me to enjoy horror as much lately just because I feel like the world is horrible right now. Um, and every time I go to look for entertainment, I tend to look at, for like just garbage that's either funny or stupid, you know, something that doesn't require any kind of commitment of fear for me. Um, and I'm like, tr I'm like trying to like reconnect with horror in a way that doesn't put me in, a, in an uncomfortable emotional state. Yeah, it's hard to interact with horror without having the like big emotions when you have those emotions all day long, like every time you pick up your phone. It's a little hard to have the energy for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But again, I think if you if you're looking sort of in the right places um, for horror that is sort of 
transcendent from the real world and goes to other places. I think that is, is, I mean, it's, it's useful for me and I find myself really wanting that sometimes, but yeah, a lot of times I also, I'm just like, just let me watch something dumb and funny because I need that break. You know, my brain needs a break from actual horrors. For me over this past year, especially with uh, the world really falling apart, I've been really concentrating on uh, retreating into horror so much more than uh, even usual. So that's, I, I guess, you know, everybody has their their own little idioms. There are uh, idiosyncrasy in terms of whether they're going to retreat into horror or something else. Yeah, it was when you were talking about Chernobyl earlier, I loved that show, but I got four episodes into it. And then I got to the episode. I know the fifth episode is about animals. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That one is so much. I will watch it at some point, but I had to stop because, it, it again, it's that real world horror. What I liked about the show a lot was the tone and how it felt like a horror movie. Like atmospherically, it's amazing and it's beautifully shot and the characters are all incredible and the actors are incredible. But that was too much real. I mean, it was real life anyway. I was sort of able to handle it because it was like dressed up like a horror movie. But then when it came to the, I mean, I found it difficult to watch the people suffering, but I know that seeing animals and what I, you know, what little I had heard about that episode really, um, I, spoiler alert, I'm sorry. I don't know if, you know, I don't even know what happens. I just know it's about animals and it terrifies me to think about seeing it. Honestly, be glad you, you did you skip over the whole episode or did you like stop watching there? Or? I just stopped right there. And I, I mean, again, I might go back to it, but I had. I sort of had my skill. I think you can safely skip over that episode and like just start from the next episode. Yeah, I'm interested in the, you know, in like the political human drama of it, but I just don't I just don't want to suffer more emotionally than the than what I know of the story already. I totally get it. Anytime I'm watching literally anything if there's an animal suffering, especially if it's like something that a human is inflicting on an animal, it ruins the entire thing for me. And I mean, you and I are both, you know, bunny lovers and rescuers of animals. And that's, I mean, we get really involved and invested in animals. And that's yeah. something you can't take into. I think that's part of that affinity we probably both feel for animals and like wanting to rescue them is that's one way to sort of fix the world. It's one good thing you can put out into the world that takes away some of the horrors. And especially if an animal has been mistreated or traumatized and you're able to give it a safe home, that feels really good. God, I loved it. And I was really into it. But somebody gave me a heads up about that one. I was like, okay, I'm stopping now. And now I'm going to watch Shit's Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just finished that episode a couple of days ago. And oddly, I'm the one that's usually crying my eyes out over the animals dying. I, I I actually like mentally noted while I was watching that episode how I just sort of like disconnected. I was like, oh, that's, you know, those aren't real. Those aren't real animals. They're just like dolls and things that they're using to make animals. And I just, my brain just immediately went into like, you know, movie background information. Like I know how they're doing that. That's not real. Yeah. You know? no, that's, I mean, that's a useful thing. I, I My brain just like shut it off. Yeah. Like, no, those aren't real. <laughs> yeah, again, that sort of compartmentalization that we can all do yeah. a little bit. It's, you know, it manifests differently in, in each of us. If only I could do that with children in horror films now, then that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was I was just thinking about that, Megan, because like my my 
I can't say my taste in horror has changed, but there are certain movies that I just, I can't watch, you know, and I won't like the orphanage is one of my all time favorite horror movies. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen that one. It's brilliant, but no way in hell am I going to watch it while my kid is under the age of 18, you know, like it's just going to sit there for a while without me. Um, but if you don't have children, I highly recommend watching that movie. Um, but <laughs> if you do, it will just traumatize the fuck out of you. So that one doesn't bother me, but I've been having a hard time. We have the new uh, Pet Cemetery in the house ready to watch, and I really want to watch it, but like I can't live through that death scene again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it traumatized me before I was a parent. I just keep saying to my husband, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I really want to watch it, but I don't think I can handle that again. And I'm sure that it's going to be worse this time around because that's what they did in It, too. They just made like the child thing worse worse oh totally yeah yeah i thought i haven't seen it too yet but the first one boy the yeah the first scene with i can't remember the the kid's name the little kid in the yellow georgie georgie oh my god georgie yeah the scene with yeah that i uh it too is uh not as hard on the child brutality but it is um i will tell you straight up it is just like the first one in that it starts out so brutally um I had I had a hard time watching the first it um, because that scene with Georgie stuck in my head and just like hung over me for the rest of the movie. I enjoyed it, but it hung over me. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it did the same for me, especially when you have a child who's basically that same age, right? And uh, right. looks like that same shape, and you know, like, the <laughs> yeah. child, ugh, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. So the second one is is very much the same. Um, it's just not children right off the yeah. bat. Yeah, in some ways harder. <laughs> It's really cool that your uh, friend warned you about that episode in uh, Chernobyl. It's nice to have people around you that can that know your uh, triggers. Respect your, yeah, yeah, know your triggers mm-hmm. and respect them. We we try to do that for each other on the show. Like, if I see something that has child violence at all, I'll be like, Melissa, you want to <laughs> skip this one? <laughs> yeah. So this panel, it was it was a very far ranging um, conversation about movies and you know like our emotional responses to horror in general and some things about comics and that kind of stuff but we did we did decide we're going to try to do the panel again at emerald city in the spring Ooh, nice because a lot of the same panelists are going to be there so um so hopefully we'll be able to recreate that i think emerald city is in march next year so that might happen again if we're lucky was there please go there and live for us yep i will (laughs) that'll be cool sierra i can't remember if we've ever met sierra i feel like we have i know right it would have been a long time ago yeah exactly but maybe i'll maybe i'll see you in the spring that would be fun i've always wanted to go to emerald city comic-con i've never been able to travel to do it well you have a place to stay (laughs) <laughs> it is far for you so was it was this your first uh new york comic-con panel i mean you've been in the business for a long time i, I have to imagine you've done one before yeah i've done but i had not been to new york comic-con in boy it had it had probably been nine or ten years um so the show had changed a lot it was really just getting started the last couple of times i've gotten a lot bigger huh yeah and the the last panel i did there was also horror themed it was when we relaunched creepy magazine when i was working at dark horse um so we did a panel with you know sort of about the, the classic comics artists who were involved with creepy and what we were trying to do when we relaunched the magazine slash comic it was it was in comics format but we still were thinking of it as a magazine um so yeah that was that was quite a while ago um 
And I have to say this, the the last panel, the making friends with a monster was much more fun and, uh, you know, sort of a broader topics and a little bit more free ranging style of conversation. Are there any particular uh, questions or moments that uh, stand out to you on the making friends with the monster panel? You know, uh, what I thought was really funny, um, we, we only had time for a few questions at the end because we really, um, just chatted each other up a lot. Um, one of the things that I thought was really both interesting and funny was, um, my friend Steens, um, talking about the Puppet Master series, which, uh, I, I think there are like 14 or 15 of those movies. <laughs> She loves them and is a huge fan. Um, so hearing someone, you know, whose uh, whose opinion I hold in high regard, just wax rhapsodic about Puppet Master was hilarious. Um, but you know, we all sort of have our thing that is something we relate to. Um, and um, I'm trying to think of, you know, one of the questions that was asked was like, "Is there something that's just too scary for you?" Um, and, uh, one of the things I appreciated about this panel was that it was very diverse. Um, there were two creators of color, both Steens and Vita are, um, black women and, um, they, you know, have, have a pretty unique take on how it feels to be a fan of horror when your own existence in this social structure is filled with everyday horrors committed against people who look like you. So, um, so that was really interesting to hear, but yeah, as you, as you were saying that, yeah, Jordan Peele is, has really been exploring that same, um, you know, that same space of, you know, living life as a person of color in this country where white supremacy rules and every day is a horror story for a lot, for a lot of people of color. And, um, and that's something that I've, certainly been aware of, but I'm a white person. You know, I haven't had a lot of those same experiences. So it's just interesting. And I think important to listen to other people when they share those kinds of stories about how, you know, how horror, any kind of storytelling sort of helps them process the traumas they live with every day. Right. We can only tell a story from uh, so much on our own perspective. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, Shauna's in high demand. I have one more question, um, unless the girls have something for you too. But I wanted to ask you if you could, what would be your like dream panel? You know, I I have to say the the one we're talking about, making friends with a monster, was it was dreamy. That's the only reason I <laughs> I, I you know I otherwise if it had not been this exact group of people. And this exact topic, I don't think I would have said yes to a 9 p.m. panel on a Friday night. I mean, it's Friday night, for God's sake. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you were away from your kid in New York City, so you would have been up. Yeah, I would have been up, but I wouldn't have been in Javits Center doing a yeah. panel necessarily because New York City, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. right. But I, I have to say it really was one of my... It probably was my favorite panel I've ever done. And I've done a lot of really fun sort of horror themed panels at San Diego with fancy creators. And, um, you know, one of my favorite ones previous to this was uh, a horror panel at San Diego that like Steve Niles and Bernie Wrightson and uh, remember Mark Andreco was on it because he was writing the Let the Right One In comics at the time. 
Um, so it was a really, um, like, I mean, there were some amazing people on that panel and it was really wonderful to be a part of it. But again, I appreciated the, the perspective that this panel took having a much more diverse group of panelists to offer just a totally different take on, you know, what it's like to be a woman living in this society and trying to sort of process what it's like to, to live in a woman's body and, uh, experience scary things or to be a person of color and experiencing very traumatic, horrifying things every day. So I think, I think this was a much more valuable panel in the long run. Um, and yeah, so that's among the reasons I hope we get to do it again. Um, and it was also just great to meet this particular group, group of people and hang out with them for, you know, the time it took to have this discussion. That stuff is so special. I was very sad that I missed it and that I missed you at Comic-Con. I know. And so this episode was my selfish mm-hmm. <laughs> making up for that, that like, I want to hear about the panel I didn't get to. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll maybe, you know, we might also do it again next year um, because it was, like I said, it was very well received. And the fact that 32 or however many people showed up for it at 9 p.m. was pretty was yeah. pretty awesome for all of us. At least we weren't talking to just five people, you know. At 9 p.m. at Comic-Con, we're all like dragging ourselves down the street to try to find the closest beer that we can access. (laughs) For sure. So the fact that that people stuck around for it was, um, you know, it was it was heartening and yeah, and I appreciated it very much. Well, and now I know that your best friend lives 20 minutes away from me. So yeah, (laughs) she does. It's true. I'm in Kingston all the time, girl. I The next time I'm there, I haven't been there for a few years, but the next time I will certainly give you a call. Melissa said it was selfish but honestly the moment she said that uh you were going to come back and talk to us both sierra and i were very excited so oh i i appreciate that i really like they were like yay i like hanging out with all of you here and talking about fun stuff yeah we absolutely love you here thank you shauna what are you gonna be for halloween you know, I have a go-to witch costume that I just love. I love dressing up like a witch and getting to be a witch for a day. And um, and especially now, now that I have a kid, all of my yeah. creative energy, I, I used to put it all into my own costumes. And now most of my creative energy goes to his costumes. Uh, That's really the question I want to get to because your your <laughs> costumes for Elliot are amazing every single year yeah, they're usually pretty good but now that he's of this you know he's he's in first grade now and um you know last year he got a off the rack skeleton costume and i had a hard time saying no to that because i love skeleton costumes um and this year we were talking about him being uh potential the, our last conversation about it was yesterday and we were talking about him possibly being dog man um, from the Dogman. Yeah, Dogman from the graphic novel series. It's, oh. it's written by the same Captain Underpants people, yeah, right? It's, it's Dave Pilkey. Um, yeah. It's very funny stuff. I really love those books and they really do get kids to read. Um, mm-hmm. I posted a picture on Facebook this morning of Elliot reading before he we went to school and he was reading this Dogman book. And it's, I mean, it's, it's actually sort of a horror story. Dogman is the story of a police officer and his uh, canine companion, and they're both horribly injured 
in, uh, I think it's a bombing. I can't remember. Like a bomb goes off and the police officer's head dies and the dog's body dies. And at the hospital, (laughs) the doctors decide to cut off the dog's head and sew it onto the cop's body. And that's that's how Dogman (laughs) is made. So it is actually totally horrific and hilarious. Um, and the main villain in the series is a, an evil cat named Petey. <laughs> so there, I mean, it delights me every time a new Dogman book comes out. Um, and we have a little stuffed Dogman, and it's super gruesome because he's got these big stitches on his neck. Like he's like, <laughs> he's got like a human body and a dog's head stitched, <laughs> very crudely stitched on. So it fits. Awesome. Yeah. I actually have um, several of these in my house. I think the last uh, book fair that happened at school, I ended up buying like three different ones because that's the only thing that was on his list that he wanted was all these different Dogman books. And I've never read them. And now I'm going to read them. I I was like, oh, more Captain Underpants. I don't want (laughs) to see that. (laughs) But I had no idea what it was about. No, Dogman is very different. It's, it's you know, like the, the, uh, the conceit of it is that it's created by the same kids. So the, yeah. the two little boys who do, who, you know, quote unquote, write the Captain Underpants stories also write the Dogman stories. Um, so it's, they're very, very funny, but a lot of just sort of gruesome, random stuff happens. And I sort of, I sort of love it. <laughs> I'm going to steal my kids' books tomorrow. Do it, do it. But you should read them in order because they really like, you sh- really should start with the first one because the story evolves. Um and there's the the best character. There's this tiny little kitten character named Little Petey, and he's so cute. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, it's I highly recommend the Dogman books. That's my other recommendation. Nice. Well, I really look forward to seeing Elliot's Dogman. Yeah, I hope I hope we he decides to do it. That's the other thing is I no longer invest in these elaborate costumes and making them for him because he changes his mind so frequently that we'll probably just get to a couple of days out from Halloween and I'll be like, all right, decide. <laughs> and then he's just got to stick with it. But yeah, so we'll see. I'll, I'll update you guys later. Sounds we got good. three costumes this year. We have the Comic-Con costume, the school parade costume, and then the real Halloween costume. <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> Which was kind of necessary because he's doing Jason from Friday the 13th for Halloween. And I was like, dude, you can't wear that to You're school. Not gonna, <laughs> yeah, you can't do that at school, but you can do that at Comic-Con no. or Halloween. And we'll do it at Halloween, but yeah, doing a very, you know... Uh, non-threatening Minecraft costume for school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, do you girls have anything else that you want to throw at Shauna before we let her go? Um, I love Ralphie. I want to snuggle him. Yeah. <laughs> Ralphie's my sweet bunny and he is um, he's the softest. He's a little Rex. He's a little spotted Rex. Um, the He is also slightly a, a horror story unto himself because he eats things like I have never seen an animal eat things. He's literally eaten some of the stairs in my house. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like wooden stairs that go from the, the mud room up to my bedroom. He's just peeled off inches of them. Well, thank you, Shauna, for coming on and telling us all about your panel. Thank you. I, th- I sort of glossed over it, but I hope that was compelling enough. Um, and it's, it's always great to speak to you three. And um, I'd love to come back another time. Of course, we'll have you back. Yeah, we'll invite you back in like a, another month. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to hang up and we're going to go, okay, what can we get Shauna to talk about next time? Yeah, do it. Do it. Um, I'm, and I'll be spending the next couple of weeks watching as many scary movies. I don't have that much capacity to actually watch things because I'm too busy. 
but I'm going to try to see, you know, as many scary movies as I can in the next few weeks and finish reading some scary books. So maybe I'll have some good recs for you guys. Awesome. So guys, don't forget, we also have that Spotify playlist uh, running right now called the Sirens Fall Mix 19. And uh, that is some fun, spooky stuff that we all contributed to. It's very weird. <laughs> I think we all put an odd mix of things in there. Yep. Um, but it's super fun. Um, you can find all of our past episodes at sirensofscream.com if you want to catch up on things. We have three years worth of episodes there now. Uh, you can email us at sirens at sirensofscream.com. Uh, you can tweet us at Sirens Podcast. And you can Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook us, too. <laughs> and don't forget that we have uh, the entire 31 Days of Horror sitting there for 2019 also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're running out of time to watch those. But, hey, maybe you've got a couple weeks off and you can binge some stuff. <laughs> uh, Jackie, where can people find you online? I am Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. Sierra, where can we find you? I'm at Sierra Hulk on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. And that has been our 71st episode. Thanks, guys. Bye.